Welcome to the Follow Me Podcast. I'm Allie Grant, the founder of Be Social. Each week, we're inviting influencers, entrepreneurs, and the digitally savvy to share their social media story. We're going to break down how they've grown a business through their social footprint. Join us by following along on their journey. Hi, guys. This is Allie. Welcome to the Follow Me Podcast. Hopefully, you guys all had a really good Thanksgiving. I had so much fun time with family and friends and all the food, feeling super thankful and grateful um, for all things. So let's get into it. Um, What I saw on the internet, um, kind of in line with like our guest today and just about building an empire and working hard and, you know, not focusing on overnight success. Um, Lizzo, Lizzo, I never, (laughs) it's Natalie. I don't know how to say her name. Lizzo, the artist, she's insane. She's amazing. Love her. She's so inspirational. But she did this post on her Instagram and you should follow her if you don't already, um, just kind of about overnight success and what it looks like and just how not to give up and like your moment is waiting for you. Um, but basically she did eight years of touring. She was giving out free tickets to all her undersold shows. She had negative $32 in her bank account and she was constantly hearing no after no. Um, and look at where she's at now. I don't know. I was just like really inspired by that because I feel like all the negative things that are thrown your way can kind of deter you from your, you know, overall success or feeling positive. And um, I was just inspired by that. So that's what I saw on the internet. Um, and then today's guest, um, Nicole, also speaks to this quite a bit. Um, but I think kind of the main lessons we're learning today is talking through burnout, um, which I feel like a lot of us, especially in digital careers experience, because we're constantly having to be on, we have our phones, social media is everywhere. So talking through that, um, a little bit of PTSD and anxiety and stress. Um, so I'm excited to share this episode with you and get right into it. So let's do it. Nicole Lappin is the New York Times bestselling author of Rich Bitch, a simple 12-step plan for getting your financial life together, finally, and Boss Bitch, a simple 12-step plan to take charge of your career. Nicole is no stranger to breaking down complex business principles for all to understand, utilizing her signature sassy style. From anchoring business shows on network television, including CNBC, Bloomberg, and CNN, to contributing money reports to Today and MSNBC, Nicole has a long history with speaking the language of money fluently and using that language to empower an entire generation of women to take control of their lives and their finances. Let's do this. Thanks for being here, Nicole. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. Okay, so we start every episode the same. Tell me about the first Instagram post you ever posted. Oh, that's so funny. I actually um, knew Kevin back in the day, Kevin Sistrom, while uh-huh. we were starting Instagram. What? We that's so to, cool. Yeah. Like so you my, knew him before he started? Yeah, as all? he was starting, he when he was at a co-working space in Manhattan. I don't think it exists anymore. I think yeah. It was called Norwood. Okay. And we were just sitting outside, and it was him, and I think his co-founder okay and he was like literally making filters um no yeah at the time and so I I think my first one was like Instagramming with Kevin or something like that let me see Um, I have to click through and look let's see and then I started at CNBC or 
I would say right before I started at CNBC. So yeah, I was... Your first post was in 2010, December 2010. It's like a photo of a passport. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Where so were that you makes going? Sense. So I had just moved to New York. Okay. Um, I was an anchor on CNN um, for four years in Atlanta. Okay. And then I moved, I think I was 25. So yeah, exactly around that time. And I was so excited to start this new adventure. What and were so you doing in New York at that time? I started as an anchor on CNBC. Oh. So yeah, okay, I cool. was covering business news and stuff like that. And yeah. I think at the time, a lot of these um, founders of social media companies were like trying to get more press and like yeah. trying to figure it out. And so it was really cool to be like running the halls with How some funny. of these guys who knew. So you just moved to New York. So yeah. I think a lot of females want to be like an anchor or like that was my goal in college. I was, I studied journalism. I wanted to do broadcast journalism. How do you get into that field? Is it really difficult? How much money do you make? Like I want to hear the whole story. The whole story? Yeah. Um, <laughs> my gosh. So I had been on the air since I was 15, actually. What? Yeah, so I've been on the air for like 20 years. At 15, what were you doing? Um, I was on local cable access. No. Channel 6. Yeah, so no cool. joke. So, um, so it's been a long road. Um, back in the day, it's much different, obviously, now with YouTube yeah. and all the stuff. You skip a bunch of steps. You become yeah. like Insta-famous or whatever, and you don't have to go to bumfuck. Can I say bumfuck? Yeah, you can Great. say it. <laughs> um, you don't have to go to bumfuck like I did. Um, yeah. I went to like Lexington, Kentucky, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I paid my dues. I lived right. in 10 cities. And that's what last. they tell you in school. It's like you're going to yeah. have to move to the middle of nowhere and make literally nothing and like yeah. climb to the top. That's and right. you did that. Yeah. In my first book, Rich Bitch, I talk about my salaries when I first started around $17,000 a year. Is that like legal? Like I yeah. don't understand how I, that was. Okay. I remember um, I wanted to be an English major yeah. at first. And then I was like, oh, I should make some money. And being yeah. a poet, like sitting under a tree, you don't make money. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, I'm going to go into journalism. Yeah. I'm going to make real money. And yeah. the dean at the time, I was at Northwestern at uh -huh. the School of Journalism, like I transferred in. and. Yeah. Um, he was like, so you realize that like when you're starting out in journalism, it's not much different than right. a poet salary. Yeah. And yeah, um, I remember thinking that brown rice and beans was fancier than ramen. Yeah. So I yeah. ate that every day. Yeah. That's like just the truth of it. And yeah, so it's real life. how did you get the job in New York? That seems like a total goal of like your career path. Yeah. So my goal was actually to be an anchor on CNN. I was like um, in these local newspapers, you know, yeah. in Lexington and Sioux Falls. I was in Palm Springs in the I-team for a little while at cool. the CBS station there. And I would say, if I could say Nicole Lapp in CNN before I die, I'll die a happy woman. Yeah, yeah. And so it was always like my little soundbite. And yeah. Um, yeah, I never expected to get there so much earlier yeah. than I thought. And so I started actually at CNN when I was 21. And so that's really young now. Like, is that kind of unheard of? It is young. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, they discovered or one of my PR teams discovered that that was the youngest. I was the youngest ever to be wow. hired as an anchor. So I auditioned when I was 20. Okay. And at that time, I had already had a bunch of experience. Yeah. And well, I guess so when you start at 15, that's not that young. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that part is legal. The yeah. $17,000 <laughs> maybe is more legal than yeah. starting so young. But yeah. I totally faked it till I made it. Um, I totally lied about my age and my experience <laughs> along the no, way. Oh, really? 100%. Yeah, yeah, I totally Like in interviews or applications? Yeah, or? so when I was 18, I wanted a job at 
um, the Milwaukee station of this broadcasting company because okay. I went to school in Chicago and yeah. I went in there and I was like, I am totally destined to be at this Milwaukee station. I know it's big time, blah, yeah. blah. I'll do anything for it. Like I'll take the train. And they're like, well, first of all, you don't know anything about geography. You can't take the train there every morning. <laughs> that would be me. That would be crazy. <laughs> and then second of all, you don't get this job. And I was so upset yeah. and I didn't realize that they were actually offering me another job. And they just started a business network, a nationally syndicated morning business show called cool. Course Business. Uh-huh. And they were like, do you know anything about business news? And I was like, um, like stocks and I stuff? Love, I don't like even know. Stocks okay. and stuff. Oh like stocks Like on God. the floor Nightmare's of the- Nightmare. Yeah, okay. so, mine too. Yeah. <laughs> on the floor of the exchange. Who knew that I would be talking about this to the world right, and teaching exactly. other people about it because I'm the least likely person to yeah, do it. Yeah. I was totally clueless. My boyfriend in high school said he wanted to be a hedge fund manager. I thought he wanted to be in gardening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my head of <laughs> family. They yeah. used cash. They were like yeah. criminals. Like yeah. I didn't know shit about <laughs> yeah. stocks or bonds. I thought like bond girl maybe had yeah. to do with it. No, no, that was not the case. Oh it sounded like Chinese to me. Yeah. And so I totally just faked it till I made it until I could speak the language of money. And I realized it's a language just like anything else. Yeah. We just don't have a Rosetta Stone for it Yeah, growing up. And then once I spoke it, I spoke it to the world. And then, yeah, fast forward more than a decade later, I'm now teaching other women like my former self how to not smile yeah. and not and actually join basic money conversations because... Yeah. You know, in the end of the day, like we don't learn this stuff in school. Which no, is I mean, crazy. I like graduating college didn't know how to write a check. Like, totally. there's things like that where you just do not learn about, and like savings and checking accounts and high yield savings, like all of that stuff. Like, even my friends, I'm 31. My friends don't know what this is still to this day. So I feel like knowing about your money and your opportunities like is so empowering. Yeah, I hear from people at events across the country. Like when I was doing my first book tour, um, you know, somebody said, I have money, I have checks. I'm like, what? I'm so scared for the world right now. Yeah. It's real. I mean, we learn yeah. the Pythagorean theorem, how to dissect a frog. Like, like why? Right? Why? why? Why don't we learn how to write a check or how yeah. to do our taxes or a budget or yeah. make a business plan? Like, that would be way more valuable. Yeah. But that's not the case. And so my first book, Rich Pitch, was you know, a solution to that mm-hmm. because no other finance book was interesting to me. Right. And I was like, there has to be a better way to talk about this because once I actually could speak the language, I realized it's not that complicated. Right. Like it sounds really complicated, but yeah. once you get it, it, you realize like short is not the opposite of tall. It's the opposite of long. And it just yeah. means something's going in the pooper. Like yeah. it's not complicated once yeah. you can speak the language. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to disrupt that space. Like I swear in a finance book for the first time. And so I thought, well, people are going to have feelings about this. Either it's going to fail miserably or crush it. There's no yeah. in-between. I just yeah. took a really big risk with that. But thankfully, it did How did it you did like, take that leap to go and publish your own book? Was it self-published? Did you get like an agent for that? Like, How did that process work? No, I didn't. Yeah, so when I moved to New York, I started as an anchor on the early morning show for CNBC. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I had already been on the air for a super long time. Um, and I was tired of talking to old rich white dudes about money and helping them get richer. And I felt like there was a void. There was this white space in the market for talking to ladies like you and me about this subject in a way that was accessible and you didn't need a dictionary for the definition. I actually like rewrote a financial dictionary in my first book in real English. And 
I had a whole bunch of false starts for book deals. I always thought I wanted to be a writer, mm-hmm. like I mentioned early a on. <laughs> a poet, yeah, and I didn't know a it. A money poet. Right. Um, I think of myself that way in some cases. I became a writer, just not the kind I expected, yeah. which is a big theme that I talk about because a lot of entrepreneurial experts will say, like, go do what you love. Like, I didn't have the luxury to do that. I had to figure out how to love what I did and and love the opportunities that I had come my way. Like, I didn't want to be in money. I didn't want to do anything yeah, with money. I didn't yeah. want to talk about it. I didn't want to teach about it. Yeah. And then I just figured out how to make it something that I loved and not the mm-hmm. other way around. So while I was at CNBC, I left mid-contract. I talk about that in Boss Bitch in my second book. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. And I, you know wanted to have my own voice. And um, at a news network, uh, you are telling the story of the first draft of history, which is super amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's just not your story. Mm -hmm. And you can't have your own opinions and talk about your own backstory, which is often really helpful to explaining some of these more complex topics. So yeah, that's what I did. I left, I burned my corporate bra and (laughs) here we go. But it was really hard right so getting a book out deal of a contract hard. like you yeah, had to negotiate so. yeah. yourself out of that yeah did you have to like pay yourself out of it? How I, yeah, that I had a I non-compete. Didn't, I didn't read that part, so no. you had a non-compete. Okay. Yeah, and then I paid lawyers. I got myself in hindsight, I would have thought it through longer yeah. and harder, which is why I tell women when they're thinking about leaving yeah. corporate jobs and starting their own thing, yeah. really incubate that as a side hustle first and figure right. that out. Like I don't make the same mistakes I did. So I talk about it super openly and honestly because I think that the failure stories are way more instructive anyway. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't care. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. But yeah. somebody has to go first when talking about When you stuff. first signed that contract as an anchor, did you have someone like an attorney look at it then? Like do you wish you didn't sign as long or something no, like that? No, I don't. I mean, I had fancy agents. I've had all of the big ones, like yeah. William Morris before they were Endeavor and yeah. CAA and uh, UTA. and they So they were like doing Alphabet your... Yeah. And ICM. They sound like STDs, too, which in some cases they feel that way. Um, but yeah, I, so I had a bunch of agents along the way, and they negotiated. I had entertainment lawyers and all of okay. that stuff. So it just, the grind became too much, too much. and I thought I was going to, it wasn't sustainable. I started yeah. on the air at 4 a.m. And so I could never, I'm not a morning person. Like I need to sleep until at least 8 a.m. Like I could never do that. Yeah. I, I it wasn't You're even a morning early, show. It was like, you start at one in the morning or something like that. That's it's like, a like night show. Yeah. That's like a <laughs> zombie show. And yeah. I never slept. I slept, you know, and I was doing the last show of the network and I was yeah. like a hustler and I wanted to do all the things. So I slept probably an hour a night. No. Yeah. In different times. And so, and I would fly to do stories and all sorts of stuff. And it was so just you not sustainable. Burnt out. Yeah, was, like you were I was done. Burnt out. Yeah. Oh, I know what it's like to be burnt out at different stages in my career. Yeah. For sure. And I think, you know, the point of the third book, Becoming Superwoman, is the idea that self-prescribing work only lasts for so long. Like it will kick your ass. Right. And so I hid from a lot of childhood trauma. And that's really what drove me. Yeah. I failure wasn't an option for me. And so that's why I just worked and worked some more and just hid from a lot of stuff that ultimately yeah. kicked my ass when um I was in my 30s. So after 
my second book deal even. Yeah. I was always of this mentality that when I get there, I'll be happy or successful. So I used to think for so long that when I would get to a certain level of success, then I would be happy or balanced. Yeah. And then I got there and then the bar changed. It was right. always like another salary or another position. That's me to a T. It's like I am never satisfied with my success. That's right. It's like I get the success that I thought I wanted and then it's like, what's the next success? Totally. And I don't like sit down like, Savor it. Savor it at all. It's just like on to the next. And I feel like that's a big cause of burnout. It is. It's because we never get our brains to the other side of happiness or balance because there's always another there, there. Like constantly we're changing the goalpost on ourselves. So we get to a certain level and then it becomes something else. Like my first book then became my second immediately. Like I had a proposal for my second after a week it was published. Yeah. So, you know, I just found myself in this cycle that there was never enough. And you have to stop and realize that we have this equation wrong, that actually studies have shown that happiness and balance bring you more success and Mm -hmm. not the other way around. So you had this feeling of, I'm burnt out, I need to get out of my contract, I'm going to do my own thing on my own terms, essentially? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, writing a book, and I write about this in Boss Bitch too, is not a side hustle. I had four agents, four false starts of different contracts at different times for different proposals that didn't see the light of day Hmm. over a decade. And I thought that it was never going to happen for me. And so it was not an easy journey. And uh, when I sold Rich Bitch, it actually, in hindsight, like, I'm so happy that the other ones didn't make it through. Yeah. There was one that I had, like, making bank. What does it mean when you sell it? I feel like for people listening, like, you sold it to a publisher? I did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the previous ones would have been, like, all things to all people to demystify finance, but this was super targeted and I knew the audience. And so, yeah, I have um, a longtime book agent who's amazing at a specific literary agency house um, in conjunction with my like regular talent agency, bigger agency. And um, yeah, we went out on an auction if you want to know all the nitty gritty of yeah. how you sell a book, I think it's interesting. Um, it's way different than like a, the TV world or media, right? Because they're very organized in the book world. They're archaic in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. Don't get me wrong. The publishing industry needs some help, and yeah. I would be the first to say. In my other books, I even talk about my advance and stuff like that, so other women reading it like understand some of how yeah the process is. Because I don't care if I was reading my book, I'd be like, "How much did this bitch make?" And yeah. so I'm like, "Whatever." <laughs> I I tell I tell you guys to like. Like, talk about your money. So yeah. I obviously have yeah. to put my money where my mouth is, literally. Yeah. Um, so I went through this auction process, which okay. is where you go to a bunch of different publishing houses. And um, I was lucky enough that I had lots of bids, which was awesome. Yeah. And so in one day, it's like a full auction. So all of the bids come out in the morning. And then by noon, you narrow it down to the top three. And at the end of the day, you have like the winner, so cool. to speak. Okay. So it all happens very quickly versus in the TV world. Yeah. Development is a super long, drawn right. out, crazy world and business. And yeah. like people, you know, wait months to take a look at something. Yeah. Um, you know, different networks are like, my lunch is more important than your life. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So this seems like very transparent. Like you kind of control what your destiny is sort of. Totally. Yeah. So you got a bid that you liked and then you go into a contract negotiation and then you said you make an advance, correct? And that means they pay you upfront 
some fees essentially to yeah. kind of hold you to writing this. Yeah, exactly. And then your earnout is like if you sell enough books okay. um, in profit to make out that advance, and then Got you it. start making money after that. Okay, cool. So yeah, at the time I went with Harlequin, which was typically known as like the romance publisher. Yeah, um, they were folded into HarperCollins, so okay. now I'm in the William Morrow imprint there. Okay, um, and they. I took that deal because they wanted to put it as one of their bigger titles that they were going to give more PR love and cool. marketing love to. So yeah. it's a balance between the money part and like how much you're going to be um, prioritized within that particularly within that particular publishing yeah. house. And so for the second one, I went to Crown Business, which is part of Penguin Random House. Okay, and cool. So wanted, these are massive players. Like this is, are all of your books New York Times bestsellers? I, I mean, me. Becoming Superwoman isn't out yet. It's okay. out next Tuesday. Okay. Um, where I don't know when this is going to air. Yeah. Um, it'll air after well, in like October sometime. Got it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's TBD. Out. So TBD. <laughs> So hopefully. Yeah, yeah. And then how does that process work? Like, how do you get on that list? And how does that, it's based on like sales, correct, I imagine? Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. It's yeah. a really crazy system. Yeah. The New York Times um, algorithm is really um, special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a frustrating process because they take, it's not just pure sales, it's, yeah. um, it's how they're fulfilled and where they're fulfilled. So typically yeah. around like 10,000 sales the first week will okay. get you on the list. Cool. But if you go into Barnes & Noble at the Grove or whatever yeah. and buy 10,000 copies of the book, it's not going to get on the list. Interesting. And so okay. they want um, a combination of big stores, small stores, online, different cities, different yeah. addresses. And so they do this weird Sounds like the Instagram get. algorithm. You just can't understand can't it. it <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, well, congrats. That's Thank really you. exciting. So your newest book is Becoming Superwoman. And there's a space in between that, the right? space is so important. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? So Superwoman, the character, as we know, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of little girls look up to her. I certainly yeah. did. Yeah. Um, and we still do if you look around a costume party <laughs> these mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. Um, that idea of the character, this fictitious woman who can do it all and be it all and be all things to all people, I think is not the ideal we should strive for because yeah. she's nothing to herself. And right. I think that the idea of Superwoman is doing it all and being all things to all people and not putting our oxygen mask on first before mm-hmm. helping others. And they yeah. don't say that on the plane before takeoff just to waste time. It's true. If you're yeah. not of service to yourself, you can't be helpful to anyone else. Right. And so the space is super important because I decided after a burnout and breakdown, I didn't want to be superwoman anymore. I couldn't. It was just not yeah. sustainable to <laughs> my health, my mental health, uh, my physical health, yeah. my emotional health. And I then decided that I wanted to be a super woman, like just an awesome woman who, again, prioritizes herself, puts herself on the top of the priority list. Yeah. And doesn't look for a hero somewhere else. You know, for a long time, I wanted a man to save me or a job or whatever. Like, then my life would really start. I know, that's so not true. Right. If I have more money or if I have more of this, it's like, no, it starts with you. Yeah, it's now. Yeah. You are there. You yeah. know, that, that whole there, there. Yeah. Um, like, it has to be now. And there is no external solution to internal problems. It's another big thesis of the book, in yeah. addition to self-care is the biggest asset or liability in your career. Yeah. I truly believe that. Uh, you know, and I wrote these other books that are career guides for women and 
talk about networking and negotiating and, you know, all sorts of other stuff with Mm -hmm. financial literacy, business literacy. Nothing will affect your career more than self-care. If you can network your ass off, you can write emails in the middle of the night. If you are in the psych ward, you have to cancel all of your obligations. More so that that's going to affect your career more so than making more contacts at a conference. And that's how you start this book, right? You were in the psych ward. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, I collapsed um, after my second book tour, and it wasn't that book tour, although that was really an intense one. Yeah, and a book tour is where you, like, go across the country and you do interviews, and you're just, like, literally on 24-7. No sleep, lots of traveling. Yes. Hotel rooms. Yep. Yeah. Like, I'm on my book tour now. Yes. (laughs) So I have a lot of concealer under my eyes. Yes. You're basically sleeping in your lashes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a hundred different outfits. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I'm so lucky to have the opportunity that people want to talk to me. So it's right. not like a complaint. Yeah. As long as people want to talk about this topic, I want to be there and show up for it. But I also, I'm trying to approach it differently where I do take care of myself. Yep. So I'm just not depleted for other people. Yeah. And I wanted to use whatever platform I could to get the message out that we've leaned so far into everything that we're falling over. And if it happened to me, like, I feel like that right now, a hundred percent. Sorry. Um, that's a good way to put it. It's true. I mean, if it happened to me, like queen boss bitch, then it was happening to other women. Yeah. And I knew that whatever platform I had, I needed to again, share my story first to help other women do the same. And I did that with money and my debt and all the, you know, shenanigans I got into throughout my career and all the ways I fucked up. And I wanted to do it again with mental health, which I think is super, super taboo. And again, with this subject with, and with finances, because that's super taboo as well. Totally. Um, And fertility. I froze my eggs on Good Morning America. Like what? Yeah. So (laughs) I'm I'm thinking about freezing my eggs. We can talk about that too. Yeah. I haven't done it yet, but So the more taboo, the better for me. And that's what I realized. Like after I was at these networks for a long time and I didn't have my own voice, maybe I just went like You were kind of glossing over all of this stuff that you wanted to talk about. Yeah. I, you know, wasn't able to share that part of it because you were the conduit for other people's stories. And the only way I know how to tell this type of story is to tell it honestly, which is why I do start the book with a total breakdown that stemmed from a severe burnout. And I say in that first scene that it wasn't a spontaneous combustion. It wasn't the book tour. It wasn't a particular job. It wasn't Mm -hmm. a breakup. It was a lifetime of smoldering embers that finally caught fire and incinerated everything in their path. And I think it's an accumulation of a ton of self-prescribing work throughout your life. And so you're ignoring some of the bigger issues. Um, I don't often quote Jim Carrey, but I do in the (laughs) last uh, chapter of the book where he says, I hope everybody, I'm going to maybe butcher it, um, becomes rich and powerful and successful and gets everything they ever wished they wanted um, and famous, so they realize that's not the answer. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah, that's true. Do you have, like, a therapist now? I do. Okay. Yeah, I do. And, you know, self-care can mean different things to different people. Yeah. So, like, you might think of mani-pedi or or a massage or, you know, whatever. But I really think, for me, self-care is prioritizing the things that have been studied and proven. I always go back to the data and the science um, of how to bring balance and happiness, which are gratitude journals, random acts of kindness, community, Mm -hmm. meditation, which for me is not sitting in a room and doing that Om Shanti shit. It's um, having random classes that I take. Like I 
I've taken latte art making class or tomahawk throwing or weird stuff that like, or art stuff that forces you to focus on doing something Mm -hmm. repetitive, which to me is meditative. So you can interpret that any way you want. I didn't want to get all woo woo. I wanted to like create a guide in the way that I had done before of brass tacks and actionable steps and advice of how to do this and how to hack this. Because if it kicked my ass, I knew it was kicking other women's asses and you know I had the resources in order to take the time to really research this and figure out what does work and I know that balance can be used as a noun and a verb and I even got caught into the trap that I found balance because I did all this work I went to Bali I met with all the healers I did all the retreats I took all the classes I did outpatient programs and Right before the book came out, I felt like I was on the verge of relapsing again, and I felt like such an imposter. And I was like, how can I be promoting a book that goes from burnout to balance when I feel like I'm on the edge of burnout yet again? And I seriously peaced out. I went off the grid. I took my own advice. I read my own book. This is not a joke. Like Any expert that tells you that they've figured out life is lying to you. Like I have made a lot of progress. I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not an expert in the brain. I'm not an expert in any of the, you know, mental health stuff that I talk about. I'm only an expert mostly in self-hate. So I know yeah. about self-love. And your own love. experience. Yeah. And then yeah. my experience is my experience. And I read my book and I was like, damn, yeah. who wrote this? Yeah. Like, this I feel is so good pretty now. good. <laughs> and yeah, you have to use it as a verb because it's something that you yeah. constantly have to work on every single day. Yeah. And reminding yourself of these skills. Now I know I'm an expert, not in balance, but in regaining my balance when I lose it because I inevitably will. I can't pretend like that's not mm-hmm. going to happen. And so rereading it made me realize that I'm a lifelong reader of this book yeah. in addition to a writer and yeah. that you have to be in balance and in chaos because I even got into the same trap. I was like, this book tour is so nuts. Like, it's so chaotic. I'm going to get back to that balance yeah. stuff after. Yeah. And you often say to yourself, like, I'll be in balance or chaos, but they have to coexist. You have to be in balance and in chaos because there's always something chaotic going on. Problems are like a game of whack-a-mole. It's like something always comes up after something is done. That's so true. That is so true. I feel like people are saying now like balance isn't a thing, like you can't be balanced. And also how balance means so many different things for different people. Like for me, being balanced might be like, working more because that makes me feel balanced where others it's like to not work. So do you believe in that concept? Totally. I think it looks different for every woman and it also looks different at different times in your life, but you have to define what that means in the same way that people will tell me I'm so off budget. I'm like, did you even have a budget? (laughs) Like what? You just feel like you're off budget. Or that's so expensive. Like relating to what? Right. Like where's the comparison here? Right. Like, and so when people say, I'm so off balance, I'm like, well, what does balance look like to you? Is it comparing yourself to what's happening on Instagram? Because we often compare ourselves to the best version of each aspect of our lives. So you as a businesswoman probably compare yourself to like these 
you know, female CEOs of multi-billion dollar mm-hmm. companies. And you're like, why am I not like that? But then yeah. if you're a mom, you're comparing yourself to like the mom who homeschools her kids and bakes bread for them. And right. then your fit your fitness regime is now compared to like a fitness blogger <laughs> who has like this rock hard ass and yeah. works out five hours a day. Totally. You know, it's not realistic to compare ourselves to the best version of each of those things because yeah. none of those women have the same set of circumstances and responsibilities that we do. Yeah. And so I think you're destined to be able to have it all, but only if you define what having it all means. And oftentimes we don't even define that. We just think like we're so inadequate compared to, you know, what's happening on social media. Actually write that down. And it's so true on social media. I feel like it throws me off all the time. Like just like looking, I've just started like unfollowing people that are just like, "Mm, don't need that. And I think it, you see everyone's like highlight reel and it's so, it's just so, it can become so, I guess, frustrating we have to take a step back and realize it is the highlight reel. They're just putting the good stuff out there. But I think I sometimes get to a place where I feel like competitive over like, what's that person doing with their company? And why is that like, look at their success, but I need to just like stop scrolling sometimes and just get off the gram. It's not easy. I mean, it seems simple, but it's just not easy. I get it. And comparison can be the thief of joy in a lot of senses. I truly believe that when I was going through this process, so after I got out of the hospital and I realized that I needed to rethink everything and how I worked and how I prioritized and how I gave up my busy badge of honor for this productive badge of honor, which I think you know, a lot of times we want to brag about the fact that we're so busy <laughs> and that we have so many emails yeah, and so many meetings. I right? mean, I'm so guilty of that, but yeah. It's like, if you don't get me, I'm dead because yeah. I'm not responding. It's like, that is not a compliment. Yeah, that is not something no. to be proud of. Mm-mm. And we don't really stop to think about it that way. And so for me, I went on a super digital detox after I had gotten out of the hospital and I had figured out that the rest of this journey was largely going to be a solo one. So I really needed to do some like intense self-work, which is not fun, but super necessary. And I took off all the social media apps. I'm lucky enough to have somebody on my team who runs social media for me. And so like full time. And so I was able to still have stuff that fed my business because for, I think everybody, everybody has to use that as a business tool. So if you really Mm -hmm. look at it in that lens, it helped me and I got off of it. And then I only allowed myself to log on on a browser if I really needed to. So Hmm. I like safeguarded myself for myself. Um, And then I did a total detox, shutting off my phone. I go through a chapter in the book in Becoming Superwoman where I give a seven-day plan for how you can wean yourself off of different things and then create a sustainable technology plan in the same way as you would have a boot camp for getting into shape and then create an eating plan, which is sustainable, which Mm -hmm. is different than a crash diet because an eating plan allows you for small indulgences so you right. don't end up binging later on, like yeah. the equivalent of a Hershey's Kiss. So you don't end up in the middle of the cake, no- yeah. in the middle of the night, noshing on a big old hunk of chocolate cake because yeah. you're so starved and deprived. I mean, right. it's not realistic to say like you're not going to be on any of these things, but creating systems around it and creating a plan, um, I think, is super beneficial, especially with email. When I really stick to a schedule that I also outline in the book, where I'm doing email in two chunks during hmm. a day, okay, I'm so much more productive than when I just keep refreshing everything nonstop. Yeah. That's really interesting. I think 
Me personally, it's really hard to have a digital detox because my business is built on social media. So I think for me, it's like, I'm like, oh, it's okay. I'm on, you know, Instagram for how many hours a day because it's work, but it's like half of it's like personal, half of it's work. You know, it's like, I really do need to just like take a little bit of a break. I think, you know, right before I started uh, the book tour, I pieced out again. I turned my phone off. I felt so guilty because my entire team was working so, so, so hard. And I was like, I got to shut off my phone for four days. I know this is like the best and the worst timing. (laughs) And I did have a panic and I felt so much better after I turned on my phone. I was like, the world didn't explode. Right. I got this. I'm yeah. going to sit down for an hour. I'm going to tackle this stuff. And I came back with such a better headspace. And so, yeah, everyone's business. Yes, yours particularly yeah. is predicated on yeah. social media. But in order to have the best ideas, I really believe you have to be like IRL, not URL. Yeah. You have to like yeah. smell the roses literally and be mindful of wherever you are. We're so caught up in like not even being present, you know, for a yeah, society that, that bemoans work-life balance, which is a whole other phrase that I hate so much. <laughs> I don't think it's two things like lady justice holding two bowls. It's no, ridiculous. It's totally not. And we are so, we touch our phones 80 times a day. We don't do anything else 80 times I a day. I probably touch mine more than that. I believe it. Yeah. We don't smile 80 times a day. We don't eat. We don't go to the bathroom 80 times a day. We do nothing else 80 times a day. And so our phones were meant to be a tool for us, but we've become a slave to our phones. You know, they've replaced everything in our lives from a calculator to a camera to an alarm. And so when I was doing this, I went back and did some old school things where I got an actual alarm. I realized that a watch can tell time. (laughs) It's not just a fashion statement. I got, when I was on the road, I got an iPod to do my alarm. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't tempted to look at my phone the first thing I woke up. Because what ends up happening is you look at your phone, you, you know, does it sound like you? You open it up, you check email, you go to Instagram. All of a sudden, like 30 minutes later, you're on your ex-boyfriend's, like, sister's dog's page. And you're investigating who they follow or whatever. And then you're back to email. And then you become sucked into somebody else's agenda for the day. Right. And where were your intentions for what you wanted to accomplish? I mean, we list so many things on our to-do list, but rarely do those things actually correlate with what our goals are and yeah. how to push those forward. So with Becoming Superwoman, I'm coming out with the Superwoman Journal, which is my solution to how to create balance during a day with a point system okay. and connecting the dots between like what's on your to-do list and mm-hmm. what's actually your goal. Yeah. And some stuff, just because you cross it off indiscriminately, like it feels cathartic, you should procrastinate. Procrastination yeah. has been given this bad rap that it's like a bad thing to do. You should do all the things yeah. now. I think thoughtfully procrastinating is one of the strongest hmm. business tools you can implement. Okay. I'm the opposite. I am like, get it done and get it done now. Like I'm so quick with everything. Yeah. But you know, is getting the dry cleaning of the same importance as yeah. following up with a deck to a prospective yeah. client or whatever right. it is, just because it's on there. There's not a weighted to-do list, and yeah. I think there should be. Yeah, and smart. I come up with a point system that's like a Weight Watcher system because mm-hmm. I don't believe that there's only work in life, especially for superwomen like yeah. you and moi. Um, yeah. You know, I think that we have a side hustle. We have a burgeoning romance. Mm-hmm. We have our 
mental and physical fitness, which you have to give a point to. So instead of saying like, oh, well, 37.5% is going to go to my Mm -hmm. side hustle and 15% is going to go to this. It's like, no, no, give yourself 10 points, make the five things that you value most. And that changes, like you said, in different parts of your life. I think if you look at a woman who's at her desk 24 seven, as long as you give one point to emotional wellness, because otherwise it's going to require all the points like it did for me, then that's fine. Like, at that point in your life, that could be balanced for you. Yeah. You know, I say to Ariana Huffington too, where she talks about sleep, I'm like, amen, sister, that would be amazing. If I had more so-called work-life balance in my 20s, if I slept more, I wouldn't be on this podcast with you right yeah. now. I wouldn't have yeah. this book. I wouldn't have this platform. And that's okay. You have to forgive yourself for what you're not focusing on. If you're not focusing on building a family, you don't need to beat yourself up about it. Right. You just need to decide what that looks like for you and stick to it mm-hmm. and stay true to what that looks like. Yeah. Because if you define what it means, you're destined to win. If yeah. you make the rules, you're destined to win the game. Wow. Powerful. Drop this podcast. Uh, I this through and through. This sounds literally really relatable to me. Um, I also like that you know you talk about mental illness and mental health, and I think it is as a woman like we or men too. Like we don't want to talk about it. It's embarrassing, but it's so prevalent, and it's not embarrassing, and it's okay to talk about it. And you kind of have to talk about it to accept it and like to work on it. You have to look your problems in the eye and. Um, I'm more than a label. You're more than a label. We all yeah. are. But once I gave my mental health a label, um, and I searched for a long time for a diagnosis that made sense for me, which is PTSD, and okay. that's not something that people who go to war only have. It's in yeah, the DSM-5, yeah. which is where depression, anxiety, and all of the other diagnoses are. Um, it made so much sense, and it took away some of its power against me. And as you and I are both type A women, like yeah. we want to see a problem, and we want to fix it. And yeah. so when I was able to label that problem, I was able to reframe it as well. And I said, I don't want to be problem free. I don't want to not have this mental health diagnosis. That made me who I am. Mm -hmm. And without those times of depression or without the times of hyperactivity and vigilance, then I wouldn't have this platform that I have right now. So I can only look at that and reframe that problem as actually the last thing I would expect to reframe it as a superpower. It was my superpower. Yeah. I love that. I can't wait to read the rest of this. I'm so excited for you to read the rest of it. And yeah, with mental health, as you know, you're a boss. And it's something that we have to talk about in the workplace and mental health days and like leading by example is something that I'm sure you think about a lot as running a company. No, I do. Um, And we have something like that in our organization where we have mental health days and people can take it off if they need to. Because I strongly believe like sometimes you have to just like not work for a day or detach yourself from something to like get over it. So, and you get the best ideas then. And, you know, there's no ROI or there's really diminishing returns to use more business phrases when you're staring at the computer for 18 hours a day. And I'm super, you know, guilty of that as well. And I realize at a a certain point you hit a wall, like your eyeballs are about about to bleed. You're not coming up with good ideas. My eyeballs feel like they are burning. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And if you just get your ass out and walk around the blog and whatever and like leave the phone, you actually come back with better perspective. Totally. So I've found, yeah, that that will actually bring me more success. And and studies show that when you are more balanced, your success level will spike. Mm -hmm. And when you are not, your success levels flatline. Hmm. Interesting. 
I really need to read this right, Natalie. <laughs> Bless you. Natalie knows Bless what you, happens sir. to me when things get chaotic. <laughs> no, it's true. It's like, and also having a community around yeah. you. I had to get rid of a lot of toxic friends and stuff like that. Yep. And so that, you know, time is your most valuable asset. Yeah. You can always get more money. You can't get more time. That, oh, man. Oh, that's true. Okay, so woman. we... Yeah. <laughs> Super woman. We are going to get into rapid fire questions. Woo! Um, so what is your go-to mantra? Mantra. Never know how to say it. It will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Okay. Love it. And thank you. How often do you do a digital detox? I try to unplug once a week for a day. Wow. Not an entire day. Okay. But the like majority a of the day. Or, or like a weekend, like okay. a Saturday. Okay. If I check my phone, I leave it in my home. Okay. <laughs> I have a bed for it, yeah. actually. <laughs> smart. Little drawer. I put it in its bed. Yeah. <laughs> and I go away. And I think that's important. And I probably every few months do more of a retreat type digital detox. Yeah. Like a bigger one. Mm-hmm. Best advice you've ever received? You can be a work in progress and a masterpiece at the same time. Oh, wow. Wow. You can be a paradox. Yeah, I love that. Um, Best tips for saving money in your 20s? I would come up with a spending plan, like we talked about technology plan, in the three E's. I love alliteration. So endgame, essentials, and extras. So 70% of your overall budget goes to the essentials, so everything you need to live on every single day. Mm -hmm. 15% to the extras, so the stuff that keeps you going. Don't deprive yourself, otherwise you'll binge when people are like, I cut up the morning latte in the beginning of the year. Inevitably, they bought a Gucci purse by June because they were so good. They were so good. They didn't (laughs) buy a latte. So that does make sense. And then 15% to the endgame, which is... Like your future self, yeah. your future alley. The what do you what does that look like in retirement yeah. savings investing? Do you tell people to get financial advisors? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think that you don't need to be rich to have a financial advisor. And if you um, think of it as a personal trainer, you can go mm-hmm. once, get a plan, like get the little workout regime, yeah. and do it yourself. I'm thinking of working with Morgan Stanley. Do you know, are they good at that? Like, I don't really understand. Honestly, it depends on the person. So people think they all have the same information. They have all the same access. Not one firm is going to have more intel than another. It's really how you jive with the person. You have to be able to tell that person and feel comfortable enough. It's almost like a therapist Mm -hmm. that you would be getting divorced or Mm -hmm. that's going to affect your financial life more than anything else. Mm -hmm. But you need to be comfortable enough to tell them that or I'm going to leave my job or I'm going to my company is going bankrupt or, you know, whatever else. I'm getting a windfall. I'm getting, you know, some money from my ex-boyfriend, whatever it is like. If it, even if it's embarrassing, you need to be comfortable enough to tell them all of it. Okay. Stressful situation. Yeah, you got this. Yeah. <laughs> you got um, this, girl. What would you tell your 21-year-old self? Well, you were, like, pretty put together and, like, already working. No, I, age. you know, I was put together on the outside. I wasn't put together yeah, on the inside. True. I needed to put together myself mm-hmm. on the inside as much as I was on the outside. Mm-hmm. I was more broken on the inside than I was, um, even though I looked put together on the outside. And so I would tell my former self to breathe, mm-hmm. <laughs> to breathe, and also um, go to a shrink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that. Um, so what's next for you after the book tour and anything else? So right now I've really tried to focus on launching a book and a conversation that's really zeitgeisty around burnout and the book gods have been with me. The yeah. World Health Organization made it a condition. And so I think it's something that people want to talk they about. They did? Burnout? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 
I have it. Yeah, so that just happened <laughs> have a it. couple of months ago. Yeah, and so creating a meaningful conversation in different business verticals around that is my priority. Okay. I'm also double down on um, online education. So I created the Money School mm-hmm. earlier this year, which is an online video masterclass, worksheets, quizzes, all of that stuff, okay. which is my solution to why I we don't that. learn this shit in school. Yeah, and then the Boss School, which tracks – Boss Bitch, my second book, and then The Balance School is out with Becoming Superwoman, okay. which is where you hear from other superwomen how they balance, where yeah. you get video lessons and quizzes and worksheets that you can use. Like when I reread my book, I was like, these these skills are amazing. These yeah. exercises are awesome. Who wrote this? <laughs> these are genius. <laughs> no, they're true. Like It's something you constantly have to work on. Yeah. So you have a lot going on. You're going to savor the now, stuff. though, right? I'm going to try. It's true. My last book tour, I was in Times Square, and um, my book was up on the NASDAQ for five minutes in Times Square. And I saw it, and I took a picture, I took an Instagram, a boomerang, whatever. And yeah. then I was like, okay, you got to go. We have to go to our next thing. And somebody on my team was like, um, hello, we're staying here for all the five minutes that you're yeah. in fucking Times Square. Like, yeah. you need to relax. Yeah. Savor this. Yeah. yeah. So then I'm going to really try to focus on that. Okay, good. Thanks. Where can people follow you? At Nicole Lappin. Okay. Everywhere you find the social media. And where will your book be sold? Everywhere books are sold. Okay. Which is like Barnes Amazon, and Noble. Barnes and Noble. <laughs> yeah. All the places. And digitally, is it on like a, what are they called? Yeah. They, a Kindle. It is a Kindle a Kindle version. Yes. Um, I also read my own audiobook. I read them for all three books. Oh, cool. Yeah. I never want to well, hear the like sound nice, of my voice like, again. good voice. So, <laughs> After that, I was like, oh my gosh, being in a little booth hearing your voice yeah, like for never again. Yeah, never again for 10 hours a day for like more than a week. But yes, so I will be reading the book to you if you're so inclined to <laughs> hang out with me for that many hours. I love it. Well, thank you. Thank that was you. super insightful. Was fun. Bye.